This is the EWN Podcast Network. We all have lives filled with stories. Those stories make us who we are, and they are all important. Welcome to Epic Stories. I'm your host, Jean Tillery, and I want to share a story with you. This episode is one of what I call the Epic Rewind. It's an interview that was part of my previous podcast show, but it's a great one, so I thought I would bring it back. Camille and I were driving to an eWomen Network event in Washington, D.C. when this interview took place. I recorded it on my iPhone, and I noticed that when you hit record, the iPhone will label the recording based on your location, which is why the title to this episode is 17113 Dumfries Road. Kim is a dear friend and the publisher of my first book, Epic Messages, as well as the one that I am currently writing. You can tell how much fun we have together by the opening to the interview. Now, normally I would have edited it out, but it's a great example of just how crazy things can get when Kim and I are together. Take a listen. So, look, at, we're now 17113 Dumfries oh, Road. Oh, there we go. I almost, that may actually have to be the title of your talk, <laughs> just because it, it makes no sense to anybody except Exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, it is all about me. I love it. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do a podcast to tell your story, but it is all about me. That's cool, because I like to tell other people's stories, Yeah, so that's kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, so. Where to start? Where to start? Um, let's see. Once upon a time? Once upon a time in a land far, far away. <laughs> um, yeah, so what I want to tell you about is my story of how I became a storyteller. And... It all started way back when I knew I wanted to be, I knew I wanted to be a writer, but when I was in college, I felt so much pressure, like, who are you going to be? What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't experienced the world yet. I don't know exactly what I want to do. I went to William and Mary, um, mainly because my dad was like, Get a liberal arts education. <laughs> Have you heard then this? Then you can do anything. You can do anything. Exactly. So I'm like, okay. And then I watched as I graduated as an English major, got no job offers. Meanwhile, my roommate, um, Janet, whom I am still good friends with and love dearly, uh, was a business major and got like recruited and they threw money at her. And I was like, huh. Maybe I made the wrong decision, <laughs> but I was pretty proud of myself for following my heart in college and, and you know, doing what I love to do because I really enjoyed my work. I would stay up late, you know, on purpose, you know, not because I had to. I love school. I love school so much that when I graduated and I couldn't find a job, I was like, I'll get my master's. Back to school. So, when, with an English degree, were you doing a lot of writing? Um, I did. I did write. Yes. Um, I was writing a lot in journals. Um, I was writing short stories. Um, I was mostly writing 
just for myself, just for fun. At that point, I didn't take my writing seriously. I didn't have the confidence to put it out into the world. And I really had it drummed in my head. It was like, um, my parents would always say, um, G-A-G-P-J, get a good paying job. <laughs> something to that I mean there's definitely something well to being able you know to there are some of us who like who like to eat <laughs> yeah, exactly and would prefer more than tuna fish salad <laughs> right a steady diet of ramen and ramen sauces. Yeah. And yeah. so um so I ended up becoming a leasing agent um which was hilarious um I was at this terrible apartment complex it had a very bad infestation problem and so whenever inevitably we would walk in, there would be some sort of a bug greeting me. And so I learned how to do the, the front door to stomp. So it was, you walk in, you push the door open, you stomp twice. Sure I hope that you, you got whoever was there to boot you. I hope you killed them and go, welcome. This could be your new home. So I learned sales that way, which, which actually is a very valuable skill. Um, and then I was getting my master's degree and I decided to get it in writing and rhetoric. And I thought, I'll become a professor. And around that time, I decided I was going to apply to get a PhD. I applied and I was accepted at um, Texas Christian University. And as soon as I got there, I, my confidence just bleh. I mean what little confidence I had went out the window I was scared really? to death. I was in a new town I didn't know anybody this was pre-internet um, I was pretty darn freaked out and I really had a hard time I, I feel like that was kind of my boot camp to become a real grown-up I value that time so much because I really hadn't been independent. I was an only child. Um, I guess I was kind of spoiled. I'm not like, I wasn't like super spoiled, but you know, a lot of stuff was done for me and I really had to figure it out on my own and I had some rough times. I ended up getting involved in this terrible relationship with this horrible guy and he was mooching off of me, which was awful. And I ended up almost having like a nervous breakdown. I ended up dropping out of um, my PhD program. I, that's one thing I always regret. I always keep kicking myself like, dang it, I should have just hung in there. But, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. The school I really went to when I was in Fort Worth was, I wouldn't call it the school of hard knocks, but it was kind of like, Hey, Kim, here's reality. <laughs> um, you know, I went through some hard times where I didn't have enough money to buy groceries. Yeah. And I was so dang determined to do it on my own. And in a lot of ways, it, it really did prepare me to, like I said, adult. <laughs> yeah. how, how to adult 101. Um, that I'm still thankful for that experience from that part. At the time, was I thankful? No. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? This is horrible. So after about two years there, I quit my um, PhD.
PhD program. I ended up working at a hospital. It was the most beautiful hospital, by the way. I don't know if all the hospitals in Texas are like this, but the it was Harris Memorial Hospital in Fort Worth. And man, it looked like the Ritz Carlton to me. I'm like, this is gorgeous. <laughs> I'm going to work every day because it's nicer than my apartment. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll work long days because I don't want to go home. Um, so I ended up becoming um, more independent as I worked at the hospital. I took on some more responsibilities. Um, I was working as an administrative assistant, but like many administrative assistants, I was like, um, you know, octopus woman. I had eight arms because I was constantly doing everything and I was the go-to person. And so it was such great training. So funny that not the education I anticipated, but the education I got. So I decided to move back to Virginia. Um, I'm so glad I did because um, I desperately missed my family. And I decided to get a job in IT. When I was, um, after I had left the hospital, I ended up getting a job at an IT company, which is so weird for an English major, right? You wouldn't think that that would be the case. And especially somebody who in high school despised computer classes. But the difference was that they had come out with Microsoft Windows and it had the GUI interface, yeah. the, the graphical user interface. And I'm like, ooh, this is fun. And so I ended up um, uh, taking some networking classes, uh, not, not business networking, but computer networking. And um, it was awesome. I loved it. It was like a big puzzle that you had to figure out. Yeah. So I started getting promoted and making good money. I was a computer technician for a while, so I got to take computers apart, which was so much fun. And um, I still, to this day, you know, just want to pick up my screwdriver and take the motherboard out of all my computers. <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> the urge is still there. But it was fun. But I, I ended up um, working at Fort Lee as a defense contractor, and I thankfully got away from the horrible boyfriend in Fort Worth, and I was like, I'm swearing off of men. And then I met my husband. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always works? Yes. And so it was awesome. He and I worked at the same company. And all the people at the company were really awesome. I have to say I'm biased. He is the most awesome. But um, all the people were awesome. And so I had this really great group of friends with whom I worked. I worked my way up the ladder. And I became an IT project manager. So we fast forward 17 years when I'm a project manager and I'm working, my husband and I work together. Um, I'm really enjoying the people I'm working with, but it was like, I wasn't satisfied. I still felt this kind of hollow, is, there, is this all there, all there is kind of feeling. And then in 2014, uh, Jerry, my husband, and I had come back from a long trip, and they announced that we had layoffs at work, and they handled this so badly, and I still love them, so I'm sorry if you guys hear this, but they said, okay, everybody go back to your office, and if we call you, that means you've been laid off. 
Oh, and by the way, we're going to call you over the announcement system so everyone will know. So, goobers that we are, we were big pranksters, so we were calling each other's on offense. That's mean! Isn't that horrible? Oh, yeah. I'm no. glad I didn't know you back then. In in IT, um, everybody had very thick skin. I, yeah. I learned how to, um, uh, you know, handle lots of teasing and, yeah. So, anyway. But it was awful because as a project manager, I really loved the people who worked with me. I really felt personally invested with them. And... I didn't get laid off and my husband didn't get laid off. So we were really lucky, but most of my team got laid off. And that to me was just sort of like, it was like a cold splash of water in the face. Like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Do I still want to be here? Do, do I want to do this? And I'm like, I'm sleepwalking through my life. This is my one, as, as uh, poet Mary Oliver puts, you know, what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Yeah. Wow, you know, not sit here in cubicle land. It it was not good. So I was like, huh, I'm really, and, and, the, and after this happened, I was like, I'm really not enjoying my job at all. Well, and that's going to be scary when you and your husband work at the same place because, yeah. you know, having both of you laid off could be double trouble exactly. for your family. I mean, let's um, yeah, I mean, we just came back from a vacation, too, so, of course, we overspent, <laughs> and we're like, oh, snap. But we were fortunate, but, yeah, it, it, I think it was. I think you're hitting on that, because it was. It was fear, and then it was grief, and then it was, oh, wait a minute. And I truly believe that happened for a reason, because several things happened, so... <laughs> This is silly. No, it's not. <laughs> but um, in our ladies' room um, at the office, um, we have like a little mini library. Yeah. And so people have put books in there. <laughs> you know, the reading Restaurants room. have libra right. little libraries. Now people have libraries at their mailbox. Exactly. So that's not Thank any you. stranger than anything else. Thank you for that. So somebody put the book there, Who Moved My Cheese? Have you ever read yes. that? Isn't that a fantastic book? And the story of him and Haw, and they don't want to change, and how not changing inevitably harmed one, and changing benefited the other one. Haw, okay, that's a sign. I never did find out, because I asked all around, who brought this book here? Never found out who it was, so that was interesting. And then, I um, was like, well, I'm, I'm a big reader. I know you are, too. And so I was like, who's written a book about jobs that, that people like? Like, people who really love what they do. And then I was like, oh, I could write that book. So after all these years, I kind of had my writing, you know, I, I, we'll call it dormant. It was hibernating. <laughs> like a little cozy bear. <laughs> or you could say it was like a... A fine wine. Oh, and that's it was better. Just... Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let me talk to people who really love what they do. And fortunately, a few people I already knew. One is my friend, Bill Smith. And um, one of the things that we did in our software company was we had something called CMMI, which is 
capability maturity model indicator. Oh yeah, booyah. And so that is um, just as exciting as it sounds. It is uh, like a software um, quality assurance measurement system so you can see how effective you are. Snore. And um, But when I met Bill, Bill is up in Northern Virginia and he teaches CMMI, but he's like one of the most dynamic people I've ever seen. I went to a conference in Denver and he came out and he was wearing like an ACDC t-shirt and he was blasting music and as he comes out he has these little stuffed flying monkeys and he's tossing the monkeys out into the audience and I'm like, where am I? He is a CMMI instructor but he makes it so fun and so engaging and you laugh the whole time but you're learning. And I was like, well, I've got to interview Bill. He loves what he does, and he's amazing at it. And then I started finding more people. Um, I found uh, a lady who runs a traveling cat circus. She has a bus, and she loads up the bus with about 30 cats, and they travel all across the country. And she's actually trained the cats. Yes, trained the cats <laughs> using clicker training and like pieces of chicken or tuna and has taught them how to walk across a tightrope but jump through a, fl a flaming hoop. <laughs> I mean, the most amazing thing is that the cats listen to her I think, at I, all. I, think I need to interview her because yeah. I wonder if she's still around. <laughs> she is. She is. She was in Chicago and now she's moved to Georgia. So I can put you in touch. And, um, but yeah, you got to be passionate to do that. But all the people I interviewed, I learned from them what it was that, that made them passionate about what they did. They all had the common thread of, I did what I did because it called to me. They either had fun doing it or it was something that just sort of came natural to them. And to other people, it was like, wow, you can do that? That seems really hard. And to them, it's like, no. And, and, and I do truly believe it goes back to our, our God-given talents. You know, we have these amazing talents, and we think, oh, well, a job has to be hard. So if I'm really good at, you know, talking loudly, who's going to pay me for that? Well, yeah. hello, public speaking. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. Or well, and, and the other thing, too, is, is both of us being book people and storytellers. Yes. Uh, I have found through my years that a lot of people who don't aren't readers really downplay that. So, yes. you know, they wouldn't take anything, you know, an English degree, would, they would not even take that seriously because that's like not anything real. What, what are you going to do with that? And in today's society, I have to say, we probably have gone to the extreme because we've lost a lot of the, you know, the people to do the basic jobs that we've always had. True. And there's a lot of people True. who have gone the other way, but I think everybody needs to find their skill. And I love that you found what you love. I did. It was amazing through interviewing these people and then writing my book. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And it was, it was, it was interesting because I was still working full time and I started talking to people. I, I ended up self-publishing my book. Didn't know squat about publishing. What That was an education in and of itself. I'm gonna write a book one day called um, How Not to Publish because I did everything wrong at the beginning. But I ended up publishing my book and 
I was just so excited about it because I thought, oh, I've written a book. This is amazing. And then I also thought, this is fun. I want more of this. And it was like, so, so with the book Tickers, um, it's called Tickers, What Makes People Tick and Pursue a Career They Love. I was having a hard time figuring out how many people to interview. And in the beginning of the book, I talk about how tickers means different things. You know, there's your heart can be called your ticker because yeah. it beats. And then somebody who, you know, something that makes you tick, a person who is a ticker pursues that. And um, so I was like, you know, really, every beat of our heart is like, you know, like a metronome or like a second hand on the clock. And we have precious little time when you really think about it when all said and done. Yeah. And so I decided uh, when I was trying to figure out how many people to interview, I was like, I'm going to do it like a clock. And I had interviewed uh, 10 individuals and one couple. And then I realized I was the 12th picker. So it was kind of fun doing that. So anyway, so I got so excited. And me being me, I was everywhere going, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. And people were like, wow. <laughs> Because, you know, I, can't, I couldn't contain myself. And then people are like, I want to write a book. And I'm like, why don't you write a book? Well, I don't know where to start. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I can talk to you about that. And Well, I don't know how to self-publish. How did you do that? What, what do you do? And blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, well, let me help you out. And somebody was like, this is a lot of work. Let me pay you. And I'm like, okay. And then that <laughs> kept going. And I'm lost. like... Oh, light bulb went off and kind of like you were talking about the the lady from wild tree um kept having people asking her like do you do home parties <laughs> finally she was like yes of course i yes, do yes i do do you help people write and publish books yes i do yes i do so a side hustle was born and um and i so enjoyed it now i have to say it was hard working full-time and working with clients at the same time that was very difficult. Um, and also, the hard part, too, was getting someone to take a chance on me. So my very first client, um, bless her heart, took a chance on me. She had always wanted to write a book. And um, she she's the kind of person who's always giving, giving, giving to other people. And I was able to say, I'll be glad to help you write your book. And I can do it for a very reasonable price because <laughs> you're my first client. So... It worked out beautifully and I ended up getting more and more clients and I became better and better. I learned a lot. Again, publishing the wrong way. Yeah. And the best part about it is most definitely finding out people's stories because I feel people who are writers are called to write. I feel people who who have the story that they want to tell it it's like a talent it it's it's something that you're you're given it's divine it is part of the the sacred and i feel it's important to to tell that story and there's a reason why people are like i want to write my story and it's like it's almost like an itch that you have to scratch in a lot of ways but I've learned so much about people and and what connects all of us together. Um, all of us want love. All of us want connection. All of us have stories that we tell 
then enable us to connect to other people. And I think love and stories are definitely integrally bound together. Um, well, I think your stories make up who you are. Yes. And that was part of the reason that I loved the idea of this podcast and telling people's stories because there's stories out there that you need to hear because your story might be similar and there's something that you can learn from seeing how someone else lives their story and you know some of us have stories that we're just not real happy with and we need to see that we can change our story that it's our story and if we don't like it you know what can we do to change that story but the thing that shocked me the most in talking to people about this Mm -hmm. is that I had some people not even feel that they had a story or that their story wasn't important wow and that kind of broke my heart because you know there's a whole lot of people in this world and the world would be different if any one of us were gone so true and it's interesting I worked with a client not too long ago and she was um, telling her story and the first part before um, some of the events in her story took place was she goes, oh, we were so fortunate um, that uh, my parents lived down the street and my kids could just go to the pool at their house and play. And she's like, she asked me as we were reading it, she's like, I shouldn't even include this, should I? And I'm like, why wouldn't you include it? She goes, oh, well, it's just such boring details that oh the kids are going to grandma's house to play and I'm like think about it you have a unique perspective not everybody in the world could have a pool or have a grandma who has a pool or grandma that lived close enough to go to the yeah their house every day exactly and and it was interesting because she was thinking oh I'm so ordinary and I hear that a lot, kind of like what you were saying, you know, about people feeling like they don't have a story. Who am I to tell this story? And it's like, who are you not to tell this story? It is something that will impact. It could be somebody around the world, uh, across the country, you know, somebody that you've never met who doesn't have your unique perspective. And just because you think the way you do, you could, you could completely change somebody's mind about things and I often tell people too you could even though there's people will say to me oh there's lots of books that are written there are lots of books that are written you know who am I to to put out another book about XYZ and I'm like but you haven't put out this book and you could be the one person who reaches that person that reader and impacts them in a way that none of the other authors could exactly and I think that's what's so powerful about our stories. Like you said, they make up who we are, and we are, we are similar, and yet we are individuals. And until I fully understand your story, I, I, I just kind of have scratched the surface of, of who you are. So I, I think it's incredibly important. One of my favorite, favorite things to do is um, I love working... Um, with family histories and I had the good fortune to work with this awesome lady and her great I think was her great great grandmother grew up in Leeds South Dakota Twin City to Deadwood South Dakota and lived through the gold rush days and 
yes, she was writing about a very ordinary life back then. And maybe back then it was like, ho-hum. <laughs> Not really, because she, she met some interesting people like Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. So she did meet some interesting people. But probably back then she was thinking, huh, you know, my story is pretty similar to anyone else's. But look at this now. It's a hundred years later and we were reading through the story and it was fascinating to find out about how Lead and Deadwood were formed and the the wild recklessness uh, and, and you know crazy stories that happened in Deadwood and it's fascinating to to hear I mean for heaven's sakes they traveled by um like wagon yeah. <laughs> to South Dakota you know what I mean it, it it's that kind of thing it's fascinating so, um, so yeah, I, I truly believe it's important for if you have a story to, to tell it. And, um, and I love also public speaking. I have such respect for um, uh, people who tell um, uh, like oral storytelling. Um, and we were talking earlier about cowboy poetry. About cowboy poetry. Cowboy poetry. Yeah. And how cool is that? Because um, you, you find out details and you see things in a different way it's like travel I feel like you can't travel somewhere and not see your own world in a different way and living vicariously through someone's story is sort of like traveling into their brain for a while does that exactly. make sense? <laughs> well and, and it's funny that you said it that way because my um, my pitch for the podcast uh -huh. was basically that thing that the world is so huge yeah, and that with all the problems in the world that the only way that we can start to understand how each other think and act and believe and live is to know each other's stories yes. uh, and that to me is why it's so important that you know we take time and I know I'm, you know, weird about that. I mean, my husband and I both are the kind of people that we can go anywhere and we make friends with everybody that's around us because yeah. I, we're always asking, I want to know people. But some yeah. of the most amazing people that I've met and people that are still in my life, I have randomly met sitting at a picnic table, you know, somewhere, just yes. asking them who they are. So, and, and we live in a world now which is so electronic and everybody's looking at their phones, the storytelling is starting to disappear. It really is, yeah. And that's so sad to, to see, but I'm like you. Some of the people I've met and made friends with, I make friends on airplanes all the time. <laughs> I'm the one that nobody wants to sit next to. I know, to. right? I am too. I, I'm sure they're like, How oh, would she no. shut up? Exactly, but oh gosh, you know, and, and, and it's just incredible, but... Um, I saw the most amazing thing the other day, and poor millennials get a lot of grief for this, but almost inevitably I'll see millennials and, and other younger kids nose down, you know, face down in their phones and not communicating. And I was so excited because I went to a coffee shop the other day and these two high school kids were talking about where they wanted to go to college and they had an entire conversation. <laughs> and you're like, kudos for Yay! you. I just wanted to jump over and hug them. I'm sure they'd be like, hey, weird lady, leave us alone. <laughs> Well, and, and, and I, do, I do travel quite often by myself. Yeah. And, and I find it fascinating, one, just to talk to anybody, but I love to talk to the younger kids and even young, young kids. Yeah. Um, 
and just to ask them questions and, and especially like if you're in an airport or something like that yeah. just see what they're thinking because my kids are all grown so I miss their unique perspective yeah. and even with the Millennials I mean they really have a distinct perspective from us old people they do and they're awesome about things and so it, it's nice to be able to sit down and say hey you know we're really not that different exactly. but you know tell me about you and what you see and feel yeah exactly uh, and, and you you do you just broaden your horizons that way and i i truly i truly believe um I was put here on earth to share love and to bring joy to people and I feel a lot of times people are scared to talk and when you can break down those barriers and say hey how are you doing and really see someone I think that's something that all of us want is to be truly seen and acknowledged for who we are and once you can ask somebody their story or you know find out who they are that way they're like oh my gosh you see me you know you you, you were truly appreciating who I am it, it brings people together it's yeah. amazing so okay so I told you I was gonna ask you this question and I'm sure you forgot I have. what's your favorite book oh that's right Dog on we it talked about book yeah oh wow ah, we'll have to put that in mm -hmm. the comments mm -hmm. ah. um, let's see well I can I can tell you one that I read um, recently that I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, work. It's The Goldfinch uh, by Donna Tartt. And I really enjoyed the characters that she developed in the book. I often read nonfiction and, but when I do read fiction, I'm like, it better be good. <laughs> I'm kind of snobby that way. And after I read The Goldfinch, for a while it ruined me for fiction because I was like, this isn't as good as The Goldfinch. <laughs> So what about what about your cowboy romance? Cowboy romance? No, just your romance, Harlequin. Oh, or what do they call oh, it? oh, oh, um, You know, those so you could probably read in an hour. Oh, yes yeah. Yes or no? No. It, I, no, I just, I'm, now I'm trying to be more open-minded when it comes to romance because a good friend of mine recently decided she's going to embark on being a romance writer, and I'm like, okay. But I always thought <clears throat> there was just one genre of romance. Oh, no. There's a whole spectrum. Oh, yeah. And that's actually why I asked that question. Oh, because okay. I, yeah. I, I do know somebody who's a romance writer. Oh, now, cool. hers is very um, historical. Gotcha. Um, and there's usually an underlying story. So it's not about the romance. Right. As much. Um, so I'll... I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like that's pretty cool. So, I, yeah, I had no idea there were there were all these different um, flavors of romance. But, um, yeah, apparently there's one that's kind of like rom-com that's similar to romantic comedy oh, movies. And those are my favorite movies. Oh, my gosh. Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Well, oh, now you're man. dating us. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, let me um, think of something more recent. <laughs> okay. So, biographies. Oh, biography. Who's the biography that you read that you liked? Um, let's see. I read one about Virginia Woolf. I thought that was interesting. I find her fascinating. Um, being a, a female writer in a world where it was really hard to be a female writer. Um, let's see. 
What else? I haven't read that many biographies. I'll be honest with you. Okay, we need to work on that one. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, here lately I've been reading a lot of entrepreneurial books. And, um, Go um, figure. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? When I start your own business. And, um, let's see. Trying to think of what I read recently. Oh, I really enjoy the um, You Are a Badass series. Yeah. I went to... Um, bookstore uh, politics and prose in Washington DC to see Jen Sincero the author and I got her her um, her autograph to sign my my, my copy so that's inspiring um, so the authors that you work with mm -hmm. do they start from scratch do they have an idea in their mind do they have something already written oh yeah good question I work with um, people who are in both, both camps. So some people come to me, they're like, I know I want to write a book. I have a ton of ideas, but I'm not sure specifically what I want to do. Um, and when I work with, with folks like that, we'll strategize and figure out, you know, what idea they really, you know, what really resonates with them. And then I help them to start writing. Um, some people come to me and they've already written their book, and that's awesome too. And we'll work together, um, uh, no matter what point they come uh, to me. Um, I I help them with editing. Um, I'm one thing that's very important to me is that authors keep their authentic voice. I never want to meddle in that. I'm not a ghostwriter, and there's nothing wrong with ghostwriting. It's just a very different thing where you're writing yeah. for someone. Um, I'm always very cognizant of the fact that I'm helping them to represent their authentic voice, but in the most um, polished and uh, presentable, yeah, presentable way possible. Because if somebody has a, a you know, saying, um, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it," well, I'm not going to change their grammar yeah. <laughs> on that. But if they if they if they make some sort of an error that would be like, oh wow, that's that's a glaring typo or something, I fix that. Um, so yeah, so I love when people come to me and they're not sure what to write about. I just started working with a client, and she and I worked on that because she had several ideas, and it's so much fun to. I just see her eyes light up, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" And this is what I want to do. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> so it was super, super fun, and it was so nice because she texted me um, the other day, and she's like, "Oh, you! I'm so happy you made me feel so excited. You're a good motivator." I'm like, "Yay! That's awesome!" So, so your <coughs> idea development. Uh huh editor editor mm -hmm. probably babysitter yes accountability cheerleader cheerleader yes most definitely um, and what else um, anything else in there let's see I format their work so I, I lay it out so that it'll print uh, beautifully and then um, I'm also decorator I, a decorator <laughs> stylist I, I have helped with creating some book covers sometimes um, I'll help my clients with doing that. Sometimes we'll get a, a an artist or a graphic designer to help us with it. Um, so it's sort of like stylist, right? Yeah. Um, and then I also am what I call a publishing consultant. So um, I'm kind of like the the guide who helps walk people through the publishing process. 
So there's several, in case you don't know, there's several different ways to publish. You can, mm-hmm. you know, self-publish. Right. And kind of a hybrid. Right. Right. Um, as well as going with the publisher, which is the one that everybody thinks about, one of the big publishing houses. Right. Traditional publishing. Um, yeah. Are there any other options or are those the three? Those are the three biggies. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's probably pros and cons to each. Oh, there really are. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite one to suggest for just your average me writing a book? That is such a good question. What the, the, the one I, what I suggest is first become very clear on your intention. And that's what I always work with first with my clients. Is your intention that you want to sell a lot of books? Is your intention that you have an important message that you want to share? Is your intention that you want to write a book to establish your credibility and also uh, like say someone's a speaker and they have a big event that they want to be able to use to promote themselves. I like to call um, books, they can be like a business card on steroids. Yes. And so if somebody has a is a speaker... That's a Craig Deswall thing, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Cool, cool. Um, shout out to Craig. Shout out, Craig. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if you... If you Say you have a specific date, you're a speaker, and you're like, I'm taking, I'm going to have a big keynote um, uh, presentation in the fall, and I want to have my book published by then. Well, traditional publishing may not be the right route to take because you don't have that control. You have to go through um, submitting your work. A lot of times you work through a literary agent. Um, and you've heard about the famous many, many rejections. Yeah. Uh, I think Alex Haley was famous for wallpapering his, his one of his rooms with uh, rejection, rejection letters, which I think is hilarious. Um, you know, it, it, you don't get to control traditional publishing. Having said that, there's positives to it. Oh, let me go back to my speaking um, uh, gig analogy. Um, with self-publishing, if you want to publish your book and have it ready by a certain date, hopefully it's a practical date, not like two weeks from now. But, you know, if you have enough time, you have control over it. You have control over the message. You have control over what everything looks like. Um, and so, you know, if, if, you were, if your intention is I'm a speaker and I want to have my book ready by September 5th, then self-publishing is the way to go. If your intention is, and for some people, <clears throat> traditional publishing it still has that kind of cachet, um, like, oh, uh, you were published through Simon & Schuster, or you were published through Penguin, and uh, so that, that definitely is an appeal, and I could totally see that. Um, and also, uh, with traditional publishing, um, you have more of a chance that somebody will have a marketing budget that they could spend on your book. Having said that, I, I have talked to several people who have uh, done the traditional publishing route, and they were surprised that they had some marketing support, but not as much as they had anticipated. I think So not everybody gets the worldwide book tour where you, you know, go to 100 cities and exactly four weeks or 
Right. Yes, exactly. And of course, your big name people get that. And, and you know, I don't want to say that you don't get support, but you also sign away a lot of your rights when you do traditional publishing. Because, I mean, go figure, publishers are in it to make money. So they're like, we don't want to necessarily, you know, sell a book unless we know it's going to be popular and we can actually sell it. So a lot of times traditional publishers and um, and heck, I mean, even self, you know, hybrid publishers too will look and see what's your platform, meaning, you know, what's your audience? Do you have social media followers? Do you have a presence as a, on a radio show? Do you have something where you already have a platform that you know people are going to buy your book? Your Michelle Obama, go figure, has yeah. a great platform. Um, you know, even, um, and, and people you usually see on the Today Show or other shows who are um, uh, selling their books generally have some sort of a platform. They have a position or a status or something. So um, it's harder if you don't have that kind of a, a, a platform already to become traditionally published. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is harder to do but if you have your heart set on traditionally becoming traditionally published I'm not about to tell someone not to go after their yes. dream you know because it can be done and you know you may just have to persevere longer and no you may not be able to predict when you get published but doggone it if your book is good and you know you, you, know, you might be it. the next Harry Potter exactly exactly so Hybrid publishing, well, first I'll say self-publishing is um, uh, exactly what it sounds like. You write your book and you um, create the entire product and then you go through a company. Um, like Amazon is, is probably the most well-known um, self-publishing company. Um, they have, it used to be CreateSpace and Kindle Direct Publishing and then um, recently they merged into one Kindle Direct Publishing so they do both printed books and ebooks um, but what you can do is set up your book through their services um, you set up you choose your title you know your author name um, you choose the keywords that people can use to search for your book you know the whole shebang and then you set it up yourself submit your files and then um, like sending it to Kinko's to be copied. Sort they of, just, yeah, exactly, exactly. They do have um, standards, so they do have, yeah. they will kick back your book if there are technical errors. Yeah. They will publish your book if it has tons of typos. So one of the most important things, anybody, if even if you have, you know, hardly any budget, any budget that you have, spend it on a good editor. <laughs> That is so important because when you have, uh, and I'm, you've probably run across this because you're an avid reader, when you have a book that has typos or glaring things, it just takes away from the experience. Yeah. And especially somebody who's like an entrepreneur or speaker who's writing their book to establish their credibility. Yeah. It's like, yikes, you don't want to have, you know, misspelled words and poorly written. Yeah. So anyway. Um. But yeah, but self-publishing is such a gift because right now we have print on demand, which basically means um, you can print one book or you could print 5,000 books. You don't have a minimum order that you have to print. So there's not a lot of investment ahead of time. Exactly. And <coughs> with um, Kindle Direct Publishing, 
there's no cost to set up and put your book online. They do take royalty cut once it's sold online, but you can also put your book out and say you wanted to only order what's known as author copies. And author copies basically means you're buying your own books wholesale. Yeah. Um, for instance, my book sells on Amazon for $11.99, but when I buy an author copy, I buy it for $4. So if I go to a book signing, I'll buy a whole bunch of author copies and then sell and then them sell that them. way. Um, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me coughing. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> so just a couple little tidbits with your story. I love that. Um, and I really, you know, again, we talked about beforehand about how we weren't sure where this was going to go. Right, and, I, right. and I love it because it's, it's not really a educational necessarily podcast, but I love that we can throw out there. There are these options and I think there's a lot of people out there who might have a flicker of something that they want to do, especially yeah. poetry, you know, yeah. and those things, even if you just write a book of poems for your mom for Mother's Day and have them publish just one um, or a school. Can you imagine the classmate, the cla the kids in the class could do something for the teachers? There's a lot of different ways that we could take this. So thank you so much for sharing the information. Um, and when I actually do get this edited and posted, I'm going to, I'll post some of that information on there about places that people can go. So I'll get all that from you um, because I think there's a lot of things out there that are opportunities that you're just every day person can use to say that they're a writer. Yes. 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 What do you think? Oh, all right. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. So oh, thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> and certainly a way to kill our drive home on 95. So. That too. Always makes that go a lot better. That may be my new thing, you know. There we go. Like the, like the cash cab. And, yeah, yeah, there we go. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the story, let me know by sharing it using the hashtag Epic Stories Podcast or leave a comment on my Epic Living with Jean Facebook page. Head to my website, epiclivingwithjean.com, to learn more about what it means to live epic. While you're there, download my free guide, Seven Ways to Start Living Epic, to take your first step. If you'd like to learn more about my Dream Manager program, or just want to chat about what epic might look like in your life, reach out and we'll set up a call. See you next time. I hope you go out and live epic today and every day. And remember, it's all about the story.